This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio. Preview podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford, of BellableArmy.co.uk, and it is time for the big one, the visit of Brighton to Sedhurst Park. Like a Yannick Balassi shoulder barge on Bruno, we are back to full strength as Albert Curley returns after a few weeks out, and he joins Sam Heskiff as we cover the M23 derby, the main stand, the safe standing, and Wilfried Zaha rustling Brighton fans with his latest interview. The under-23s have won the league and Palace Youth Specialist Matt Woosnam will be joining us to talk about their season. James Howland, author of the Palace Addiction Books, will also be joining to talk about having to miss this weekend's game for his brother's wedding. Benteke and Solek return from injury and we will explore whether Big Ben should be walking back into the starting eleven. And Heskiff is stressed that all the omens seem to align for a Palace win. As always, before all of that, head over to hrlradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the squad is back together. We have Sam Heskiff. Hello, Sam. Hello, mate. Hello, and welcome back, Albert. Typical, Palace, typical Palace fashion, a couple, a couple of weeks on the sidelines, and now, now you've come back with a bang. Coming back, for, coming back for the big games, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Is that all you do now? You oh, only yeah. get out of bed for the big ones. Oh, get into <laughs> oh. bed with the big ones. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, talking of big ones, we've got a big stand coming. Um, the planning permission has been recommended for approval. So I don't really know what that means. That means someone said that someone else should think about approving it. Is probably about. Apparently, it was a Mister S. Parish. <laughs> you recommended that it get approved. Don't know who it is. Yeah, um, it's really important, Sam, isn't it, for the club to get this done? Um, they've said it will happen regardless of uh, Premier League status, you being yes or no. So, um, you excited? Yeah, it's definitely something that will be great if and when it happens. Um, from what I read of the, you know, the recommendation will be that they grant the permission. Is basically it seemed from what I read on the BBS that there's. Basically, Palace have just agreed to pay a lot of money for stuff that renovates the area, like 10 grand on a new cycle lane and that sort of thing, which will help sort of push it through, which is fine. I mean, if you're spending, you know, if it's going to cost hundreds of or tens of millions of pounds, then 
10 grand for a cycle lane is all right, I suppose. But yeah. yeah. What cycle lane does 10 grand get you? <laughs> That's a very good question, actually. And does the cycle lane go directly into Sainsbury's? Oh, yeah. big could, questions. Could you imagine just people cycling around a football crowd? The amount of just they'd probably get kicked off their bikes, but no, it is. It's, I think it's around three hundred and fifty pounds worth of interest infrastructure investment. So talking like refurbishing the entrances to all the stations to basically make them accessible for large crowds. I know, it, like I always, it always surprises me that people say it's difficult to get to Sellers Park. There's about a million stations around it. It's twenty minutes from everywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, those those stations could certainly do some investment. And yeah, you're not going to let three hundred and fifty grand hold up a hundred million pound investment, are you? you just um, get on done with it. One of my favourite ones was um, there'll be litter picking going on. So um, after games, to make sure that we pick up all the litter, which I'm. Um, some woman had a massive argument with me about on the Crystal Palace local Facebook group because she's like, "You don't live around here. You don't understand how messy it gets." And uh, so she'll be she'll be very pleased. I can't remember her name, so I can't give her a shout. <laughs> but the Tasty Jerk Centre are livid that they've had their little facelift about six months ago. If free money's going around to tart up the area. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Around where I was brought up when they gentrified it all, they um, made all the shops put shutters, uh, take the shutters out of their windows, sorry, because they thought that shutters um, made the area look more run down than it was. So, so they all took the shutters down and all started getting robbed on a frequent basis, which was um, rather amusing. But um, Tasty Jerk don't have to worry about that, I'm sure. Uh, one thing that won't be in the big stand of the um, Conservative government and more, more notably the sports minister, Tracy Crouch, has anything to do with it is safe standing um she said the answer to dealing with persistent standing is not necessarily to introduce safe standing there are regulations to deal with persistent standing i would like to see them enforced and she says those campaigning for safe standing are a vocal minority um Heskiff, yeah. does, that, does that sound outdated to you i wonder what she thinks the solution is does she think it's just saying sit down just sit down stop standing just sit down I, I don't really know where where she's going with that. Um, I'm a big fan of safe standing. I think it would be great to have it in the league. Um, it's worked in you know massive stadiums elsewhere, I guess notably in Germany. Um, obviously, you know you understand that there's going to be some comments about Hillsborough and that sort of thing, which is understandable. But it's been proven to be safe, obviously, and and I think it's it's definitely the way to go. So. Yeah, what what she's saying about persistent standards, you know, will be will be dealt with, or there there are regulations. I just I'm not quite sure what she's saying. Um, maybe she's gonna, you know, put some funding in to get cushions for everyone, so it's more comfortable to sit down or something. Oh, well, that just sounds like the Emirates, but um, I just, yeah, I just don't understand it. If I'm honest, you, is a focal minority is a stupid thing to say that just shows that you have no understanding of the topic whatsoever she's obviously never stood in an away end when a goal has gone in and um had to deal with the bruises and cuts on her legs for the next six weeks or so but as they as they heal i mean my wife uh when connor wickham equalized against mad city last season i think it was um she passed out and that wasn't because connor wickham had scored a goal but it was <laughs> because she'd um sort of fell into the seat in front and um fell over and um had a massive gash in her leg and then um, she passed out so you know safe standing takes all that stuff away it's proven now that hillsborough was you know um it, ha- it was a cock up from elsewhere it could have easily been avoided and even bringing that up i think is a pointless scenario because 
same standing just you don't you won't have those surges you know there's still rows there's very very defined rows and it, it's just a much safer environment for everyone so um it's very sad to hear the sport minister say that but you know being that she wears blue i'm not that surprised um <laughs> you're saying some sort of chelsea fan yeah something like that has um you got an opinion on fox hunting <laughs> I reckon she's absolutely fine with um, hunting down animals with other animals. Safe fox hunting for all. Yes, exactly. No standing on the horse. <laughs> yeah, if I can sit down, why? Let's leave this alone. This is um, <laughs> this is going off on a tangent. Uh, all right, let's touch on Zaha then, um, which you know we'd all love to do, I'm sure. If you can get near him, mate. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you do, he goes over easily if you're a Brighton fan. <laughs> and they are properly rattled by his interview today um, from Chris Grierson. Um, Albert, you saw this interview. Did you enjoy it? I did. It sort of, you know, it made me fall in love with him just a little bit more. I mean, he, well, there's a lot of comments that, oh, uh, he's really dull, he's really boring. But I just think he, he's just a very, very sort of, can, you know, he speaks quite candidly. You know, he's, he's still clearly a bit shy. Um but you know he's talking from the heart, and you know he's not—he's not. He's not um, most football interviews, certainly at the Premier League level, are, are very sort of just cliche-ridden, drivel out the same old nonsense. But he just speaks very, very honestly, and um, I think Chris Grierson gets some good stuff out of him. And it, it just—you know—it's just makes me love him even more. It's a really good interview. Yeah, Andros Townsend is the atypical Premier League football interview. Whenever you see him interview, he's always saying the right things. Uh, but you're right, Zaha is definitely talking from the heart, and I love to see that. But um, he's just you're right. How you, just when you think you can't fall in love with him anymore, there you are. He's like talking about, I just can't wait to beat Brighton just to shut him up and stuff like that. He's brilliant. Um, right. Heskiff, Zaha. You 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 in the same boat? Yeah, of course I am. I, I love him. I think he's I think he's great. And I think as well what you know over the last couple of years he's really come on off the pitch as well as he has on it. Um, it when he first got in the team, his interviews were quite sort of stuttered and and like like Albert said, he's quite shy, so it's quite hard to listen to. But he's really come into his own, and it, it, it is it is like having a chat with you know a mate because he he doesn't like you say sort of spill out the same old tired stuff um and yeah when he's talking about you know beating Brighton and sending them back where they came from and that sort of thing it's what everyone wants to hear anyway but when it comes from Wilf it just yeah it makes everything that much sweeter doesn't it yeah I also think he's growing in stature on the field as well you can he's instructing players a lot more and he's definitely a voice on the field now and considered to be one of the senior players so um yeah, he's definitely growing in many, many ways. And hopefully a couple of goals this weekend, um, just to give Brighton a little reminder where they belong. Right, we're going to take a short break. And then when we get back, we'll be talking to Matt Woosnam, or Palace Youth, as he is known on Twitter, about the under-23s winning some silverware. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, we're now joined by none other than Matt Woosnam or Palace Youth on Twitter. Um, goes to many of the Palace Youth games, so who else to get on? No one better to talk about the under-23s winning the league. So thanks for joining us, Matt. No worries, thanks for having me. Right, so obviously the big talking point um, we'll touch on first is Aaron Wan-Bissaka, um, monumental rise to the first team. Uh, be honest, did you see it coming? Um, not this quickly. Uh, I think that in terms of the players that were likely to step up, 
Um, he was one of the most talented, absolutely, no doubt about that. But it's hard for a defender to break in at a young age. He's only 20. Um, obviously, Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool, but that, that's different, isn't it? Um, uh, uh, you know, it's hard for a young player to break through in a defensive position. Um, but obviously, he got, he got lucky um, in a way. But it wasn't just luck, of course. He, he had the talent from the age of 16, the first time I saw him, you know, it's a cliche as such, but the first time I saw him, I knew that there was something about him. He was the best defensive winger I've ever seen at any level for Palace, like even in the first team. Um, he was a winger in the under-18s and he defended so well. Um, he would always track back well. He would go forward well. He had everything. Mm. And that's why he moved up to 23s quite early. Yeah, he's certainly got a lot of energy and the way... He reads the game way beyond these years, um, which tells in the amount of interceptions he picks up. And he obviously has the pace to get himself out of trouble. He's got a great slide attack on him. So, I mean, I've talked about it quite a lot since he's broken to the team and talking about, I I genuinely worried that <laughs> if it went for injuries, I don't think we would have ever have seen him. I think he would have ended up getting loaned out and... You might, we might have never seen him in the Palace first team. Uh, we say that, but uh, you're, you're not wrong. Um, uh, I wrote a piece for the Independent um, recently, and uh, in that I mentioned that he was about to go out on loan. He was actually going on loan to a lower league club, not not a championship side, but a lower league club. Um, that's where the plan. That was what the plan was. But Hodgson saw something in him and thought you can make a difference here, and obviously. Then the injuries came and he gave him a chance. Um, It's not necessarily the fact that it's a a new thing because last season he was on the bench four or five times for the first team. Um, You know, it's not the first time that he's really been involved with the squad. He played in pre-season. He made his debut in the uh, Premier League Cup or something like that um, in Hong Kong. Um, He came second half sub. Uh, along with Nia Kirby, first player this millenn- born this millennium to play for Palace. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, he, he would have gone out on loan. You're right. Um, would we have seen him? It depended on how he would have done on loan. And you know, you never know how, how a player does in League Two and how a player does in the Premier League. They might be, I know it's silly, but they might be really good in the Premier League and, and not so good in, in, in League Two or League One. Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense because, you know, sometimes you'll rise to the quality of the people around you or sink to it, you know, and you're certainly right there. And that's why I worry that sometimes for certain players, maybe going out on loan isn't the best thing because it can make you look worse than you actually are. And he could be an example of that. Um, And obviously, James Daly made the bench against Bournemouth on the weekend. Again, another one is getting a chance for injuries. But, you know, Hodgson talked about in his press conference today, (laughs) mentioned how Daly's been around the squad, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's been around the squad, Nia Kirby's been around the squad. He's getting the players involved. So it's certainly very encouraging for all these players, isn't it, going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think with with James Daly, the, the thing with both of these players is that there's one thing that stands out and what anyone will tell you that knows them. And I tell you what, James Daly has got a massive fan club on Twitter. I tell you that. Um, but uh, what, what these, what people that know these players will tell you is that they're hardworking. That's what Palace seems to be rewarding at the moment is hard work. And that's right. Of course, like, obviously they've got to have talent, but hard work is where it's at. And anyone who went to the FA Youth Cup game against Newcastle, which they lost in extra, extra time, three, two, um, I think that was James Daly's sort of one of his first games as as a centre forward. He hasn't played, he hasn't actually played that much as a centre forward. 
Um, he's in the under-18s this season. He's mostly been a, a sort of a left winger, um, uh, but occasionally he has played as a centre-forward. Um, but he he works so hard. And in that Newcastle game, whilst he didn't necessarily win that much and he was very isolated as a lone striker, he works his nuts off and he does that. And whatever, whatever you see him, he will work so hard. I think Richard Shaw said it in an interview, the under-23 manager. He said that with James Daly, and I'll come on to it very briefly in a second, Rob Street, who made his debut recently and scored. Um, with those two players, it's about what they can do. Rather than focusing on what they can't do, because mm-hmm. neither of them are the most technically gifted. They're not... They haven't got these silky skills that some players have, these strikers have, but yeah. they work hard and that kind of makes up for it in the way they play. Um, and Rob Street, just very briefly to touch on him, under, he's an under-16 striker. He's still a schoolboy. He's not even a scholar yet. Um, <laughs> and he came in, uh, made his debut for under-23s. He scored a tap-in, but you know, to, to be in that under-23 squad at that age, the last player to be in the under-23 squad at even... In fact, he was older, but Luke Dreyer was the last one to be in that squad. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty good, pretty good effort. Heskey, if you wanted to know about another couple of players in the under twenty threes, <laughs> yeah. So for sort of on the flip side, because we, we've always talked about the promising youngsters, I was just wondering how um, Rakip and, and Yarrick Yak were doing um, because I've seen a few people say they've not looked too good, uh, but I was wondering uh, what you thought of them up to this point. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen too much of them, but from from what I hear, um, they've been okay. They haven't been particularly standout players. Um, from what I understand, um, I would be surprised if Erdal Rakip ever plays for Crystal Palace. Um, Yaroslav Yak is one more for the future. Um, whether or not he has a particularly big impact on Palace is, is sort of up in the air at the moment, I think. Um, if he develops well, then you know he's got a chance to 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 play for Palace in a as as a particularly involved part. But at the moment, they're not really at it. They're not really at that level. But you know, neither of them have come from particularly competitive um, leagues. Mm. So you know, there's still time for them. Um, Erdal Rakip, I'm not really sure what happened there, but. <laughs> Great surprised if he ever plays with Palace. Yeah, well, my theory on that was we knew we weren't getting anyone in, so they brought in two players and made them look like proper transfers in. And they gave them the full rigmarole coming in, the whole Twitter interviews and everything, stuff like that. And then shortly after, yeah, Rackett, it just seems like we've loaned a Benfica player seemingly for no reason. And Yak is one for the future. So, um, yeah, it's very, it very interesting. But like I say, I think it was a bit of a diversion tactic in the transfer window yeah. from the club. Um, right, so on to the, the success of the under-23s. Um, have they effectively walked the league or is, uh, have they had any close challenges? Um, uh, I mean, they're 11 points clear. Um, in the Southern League with a game in hand over Charlton, who are their closest rivals. Last year, actually, Sheffield Wednesday won the league. Um, played yeah, they, they beat us 1-0 in uh, in the league this season, and Mamadou Sacco played, so he, he was coming back to fitness, so that probably, you know, he, he probably messed up the vibe. <laughs> I tell you what, people think that uh, first-team players coming into the under-23s would make a massive difference, but it, it probably has the opposite impact in terms of results, but... What I'd sort of like to get across is that 
yes, the under-18s and the under-23s are doing really well, and that is great, and we should be pleased with that, and we should be, like, praising them. Um, <clears throat> but it doesn't... It's not to say... And Aaron Bissaka coming through and, and James Daly being on the bench, that's not to say that the academy still doesn't need investment or doesn't has hasn't isn't as good as it could be because it is it you know it needs to be better than it is and there are things that can be better it is it has improved recently um yeah. you know these players coming through has, has kind of shown that but you know some people have said to me you know in, involved in football have said to me that it's in spite of the academy that they succeeded I wouldn't go that far but I would say that you know, we need to just be a bit grounded and, and look at it uh, in terms of, you know, yes, they have succeeded, but a lot of that is down to their own hard work. It's it's all great. You're right. I think there needs to be, <laughs> there certainly needs to be more investment. Um, you especially look around, look look at our rivals on Saturday. The Brighton Academy is supposed to be um, an incredible setup down there. And, you know, hopefully with the um, all the news around the main stand, um, that will then spread to you know, making things happen in the academy because they talk a lot about the infrastructure of the community and stuff like that. And, you know, what better way for players, people from the community to come through and play for Crystal Palace. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining us, pal. Um, That's really, really insightful. And um, obviously a great season for the under-23s and 18s. And hopefully um, the first team can uh, stay in the Premier League and uh, we can make it a success all around. Thanks for having me. No worries, pal. Speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Bye. Homesdale Radio. Preview podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans. Right, I don't know about you guys. Um, when Brighton games come around, I just kind of feel a bit sick in the week building up to it. Um, Heskiff, you, are you under control? No. <laughs> I'm a bit of a mess. I've, I've had a bit... I'm sure everyone listening cares about my non-podcast life. I've had a crap week. And what I really don't need at the end of it is us to play Brighton and Glenn Murray to score the winner against us. It's too much. <laughs> it's uh, too much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate them. Obviously, I hate them. And I don't want to lose to them. That's the worst. It's sort of, we can sort of brush the cup game under the carpet a little bit because, mm. you know, whatever. But I don't, I don't want them lording it over us by beating us at Palace in the league when we really need points to stay up. I can't. It's too much for me. So, yeah. yeah, I'm a mess, mate. I'm a mess. How are you getting on, Albert? I'm great. I'm a couple of gin and tonics in, so <laughs> full, full steam ahead. Uh, do you know what? I'm, I am not too sort of nerve. I mean, I'm nervous about it, but I'm not nervous about it necessarily because it's Brighton. I mean, it's it's a home game that on paper, rival or not, it's one that we need to win. So, you know, you just hope that that's going to be the case. And, and, you know, along with the Leicester game, the West Brom game, you know, and Stoke and Watford away, you know, they're all they're all big at the moment, really. So I think, yeah, obviously you want to beat your rivals, but I just want to beat whoever it is because three home points would really um, kick us on for that final run in and, you know, would put us a fair a fair way safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you touched on the FA Cup game there, Heskiff. Um a lot of talk came around there, you know, there was a bit, there was big hype around that game and talking about the rivalry and everyone wanting to understand the rivalry because every time we play them, people get confused as to why we are actually rivals and so on. And then um, obviously only 10,000 Brighton fans turn up to the FA Cup game and um, obviously we sold out our away allocation, but a drastically reduced away allocation and it 
kind of embarrassed it as a derby a little bit in front of the world because everyone was wondering why this, you know, fierce rivalry is being played out in front of a half-empty stadium. So do you think that the rivalry is dead or dying or not what it was? What's your opinion on the rivalry at the moment? Um, I don't think it's dead. Um, you know, when, when we played them in 2002, whenever it was, it was the first time we played them for ages. So it, it sort of ramped up a bit and then obviously we, we battered them. So that helped. And then when we when, when the rivalry sort of rekindled um, when the year we went up, because of how because of what the matches meant, you know, they'd beaten us 3-0 or previously to that, we'd been the first team to win in the league at the AMAX and, and then Wilf obviously knocking them out of the playoffs. There was always it was always like a big milestone and that ramped up the passion and, and, and like, you know, people getting excited for the game. I think this season, I mean, for me personally, I just don't, I just don't want them to beat us and finish above us. So I, I'm more sort of nervous about it. But the cup game, I, I think we discussed it at the time. You know, it's a tough one because the, the the importance of the FA Cup now, Derby or not, is not great unless you know you're you're progressing like we did a couple of years ago. And also, it was moved to a Monday, and they were giving us less tickets and that sort of thing. Um, so I don't, I don't think. I don't think it's it's dead. I don't I don't even think it's dying, to be honest. I just think that we need something the the games themselves have to be big sort of monumental games outside of just being a derby, maybe to ramp it up a bit. Um so I might be contradicting myself there a little bit, I'm not sure. But you know, that we've had some back and forth with their players last year, Brighton, when they got promoted, they were giving it to Wilf a little bit. And obviously Wilf today says he just wants to, to shut them up and send them back where they come from. So there's still there's still some needle there. And I, and I think having a three, three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday should make for a, a really good atmosphere, even, even though it will be nerve-wracking, I'm sure. Yeah, Wilf with a very Brexit opinion of Brighton there. Send them back where they came from. <laughs> um, Albert, do you think in that derby game in the FA Cup, we saw the true amount of Brighton fans turned up because obviously a real Brighton fan wouldn't miss Palace Brighton just like a Palace, real Palace fan would try their hardest not to miss a Palace Brighton game. Do you think the 10,000 or so Brighton fans turned up are the proper Brighton fans and the other ones that fill the stadium on the weekend are just watching their second team? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, listen, if I supported, also supported, you know, Chelsea or United and it was FA Cup weekend and you might be able to get a discounted ticket at, you know, one of your your, your bigger club, let's say. You know, yeah, maybe I, I wouldn't go to Brighton either. You know, I'd, I'd be, you know, putting all my chips in in for a ticket at Stamford Bridge or or Old Trafford or something. So, you know, I, I, complete, I see where they're coming from. It's, you know, if I, if I supported another team that was bigger, yeah, I wouldn't go to the, the like, FA Cup game on a Monday either. So, you know, I can <laughs> see where they're coming from. Yeah, but then they um, drew May United in a couple of rounds later. So they got... Um... All of their eggs in one basket. It's great, isn't it? It's like it's that like one big neutral ground, like 70, <laughs> seventy-five thousand neutrals. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. I'd, listen, I'd, like I said, the, the rivalry is always going to be there. Um, listen, I, I, the the the, the I, I know four people that have got Brighton season tickets. Three of them are West Ham fans, so yeah. you know they they can't they can't deny that you know. I guess we've got we'll probably have our fair share of, of football tourists, but it certainly won't be you know in the tens of thousands. So um, hopefully home advantage with a proper crowd on our side, you know, that'll, that'll really push the team on. And certainly someone like Zaha is going to really be on his game and a decent atmosphere is only going to spur him on more. Um, 
maybe we should put plastic clappers on there, on, just in the away section, just to make them feel at home even more, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, much like you, I, I know four Brighton um, fans, two season ticket holders, both of them are West Ham fans, and um, the other two are Arsenal fans. But, you know, they were they bought up in Brighton, so now all of a sudden the Brighton are in the Premier League, they want... They they want to claim that Brighton's their number one team. <laughs> but, That's, it. That's it. Yeah, but they're still moaning about Arsenal all the time. Um, right, Hodgson's obviously talked today about uh, Serlot and Benteke coming back to fitness, and you know he was trying to be coy and trying to keep it on the DLO whether they were available or not. But I think he let slip a couple of times, and they're both obviously going to be available for the weekend. So. Let's start with Bournemouth on the weekend. With Zaha and Townsend playing up front, and obviously we scored two goals and um, created a fair few good chances, do you change that shape up? Do you do you think that we actually did create more chances than we normally do and leave it as a result of that? Or do you think that you know maybe the idea that we created more chances than normally is a little bit of a myth? Uh, I think... Well, we, we certainly created a lot of good chances. I mean, we, you know, if, if, if Van Arnold had scored that one-on-one or someone else had got a shot off a bit bit quicker, like Wilf, when Wilf got past Mandros, then, you know, maybe we would have cruised it. Um, it's tough because it we, we were forced to play that way because of injuries and, and, you know, squad, the lack of squad depth because of injuries. So it's tough to know whether it's a viable solution long-term. I think we we've talked earlier in the season when um we beat Chelsea at home and we played Andros and Wilf up front and it worked great then but then it, subsequently the games that we played with it, it it sort of petered out a little bit um so it's tough to know whether bringing Benteke in will completely ruin that or whether we should keep it exactly as it was and hope it works again um I think the the one thing it sounds it sounds stupid because everyone laughed at um, Trevor Francis when he called Akinbi defensive forward, <laughs> but I actually think we missed Benteke defending corners. Um, certainly that 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 one that they equalised from at the end there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he would have made a difference there. But you know, up front, I, I I really don't know. I really don't know. I've been thinking about both options today, and I'm just glad I'm not the manager to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The defensive forwards are certainly near post corners haven't tended to be the problem this season. It's when they've gone deeper, which has been the problem. So it was a bit frustrating to get caught out of near post against Bournemouth, although it was very, very lucky bouncing off the guy's back and then just falling to the guy. But um, I think it was Chris Kamara on goals on Sunday was just screwing at the Palace players for like they're just only being six Palace players in the penalty area with sort of Townsend and uh, Van Arnholt just sort of lurking on the edge and he is right you know if you are if you have a problem from corners and you can't defend them properly start by getting everyone in the penalty area put people on each post and then maybe um <laughs> and you're two yeah. one up in the last minute in an away yeah. game where you get the points yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, you know when i was watching it back it was the first time i'd watched it back because um, i went to see the manor after the game on the weekend and got very drunk um yeah, I couldn't. I didn't notice at the game, but yeah, he was right. There were so many players outside the penalty area, and I understand you want to set up counter attacks. And obviously, earlier in the game, Hennessy had come and claimed that ball, released Zaha with a quick throw, who then released Van Arnholt, and so on. Um, 
but you're right it's the last minute of the game you're 2-1 up you desperately need the points pile everyone into that penalty area and yeah and Benteke certainly defends very well from corners and I think we've touched on it before just saying how it's certainly much improved for him since he first came in um but the reason why I talk about whether it's a myth that we created more chances, you know, Alex, the expected goals stat is obviously um, <laughs> new this season to the masses has uh, baffled a fair amount of people as well as to why, you know, the numbers can be as low or as high as they are. But, you know, it was the our lowest, the third lowest outturn in the last nine games on that stat. And the only other two times it was lower was May United and Spurs. So I think it's a little bit over-egged that we created more chances than we normally do it was just other people missing them so people were a little bit easier on them you know where in the other games it's been Benteke missing the big chances so everyone's less likely to give him a, an easy run and that's right you know Benteke's paid to score goals and he's not been scoring goals but um, I don't think we created more or less than we normally do I just think it was pretty much run at a mill when you're right we we need to shoot more I said it at half time it's, it's like if you shoot you get deflections and then alas Wolf Saha shoots in the second half gets a deflection it goes in and um, we certainly don't do enough of that but I'm of the mind Albert that we do just put Ben Tenke back in um, do you share that? Uh, I mean yeah it would always be my preference to play an out and out striker some people might snort at that because he hasn't really you know <laughs> struck much um, but yeah I think you just need to what what he brings to the team he can really bully some centre halves, and it's going to be a scrappy affair. The ball's probably going to spend a lot of the time floating through midair, and you know he's he's the best hope we have of bringing that down and releasing someone like Zaha or Townsend. Um, if he's fit, he plays. Sola on the bench, I think. Mm. Well, talking of Sola, is this is this an opportunity for him to launch his Palace career? You know, this is he's had a decent start. People, you know, have loved his enthusiasm stuff. He obviously picked the injury up at the wrong time. But as a Palace striker, kicking your career off, your goal scoring career for the club against Brighton, there's there's better, not much, many better ways to go about it, is there? It will be if he if it, it, it could be his Nicola Ventola moment. He could come on, bang one in, celebrate. And then we can never see him again. <laughs> but uh, doesn't doesn't that mean that like someone like Lewis Dunk scores at the back post though oh, to, yeah, <laughs> to level the game? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Listen, if he he's he's due a goal, and um, if he scores on Saturday, then scenes and it scenes. Yeah. Um. Heskiff, what are you thinking? If if what is it? Okay, is there an argument for having Benteke and Serla both thrown in? Ooh, I wouldn't do that purely because I, I wouldn't know who to drop. You know, I, I think the midfield, I thought all the midfielders played well against Bournemouth. So if you do bring Benteke in, it's tough to know who to drop. I would imagine Loftus-Cheek is probably the guy who gets benched. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably, I'd, you know, if Benteke starts, I'd, I'd have Serlot on the bench and bring him on. I don't think I'd start both of them um, now that we've got enough midfielders and can play Andros and Wilf out wide or Wolf behind or whatever. Um, it's an option if it's not going great and you can bring someone else on to, to, to bully tired defenders, certainly. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know that I'd start them both at the, um, you know, at, to, to, to drop someone to start both of them is a very tough call, I think. Yeah, I think I, I see it that it's going to be um, a sort of 4-5 one four four two fluid kind of thing. I think we'll probably start with 
Benteke on with Zaha sort of in and around him with Townsend on one flank and MacArthur playing narrow on the other. I don't see it being anyone other than Kabaya and Milivojevic in the centre of the park. And then, obviously, I think the rest of the team really names itself at the moment. You know, um, it will be Hennessy, it will be Wan-Bissaka and Van Arnholt and obviously Sacco and Tompkins, assuming they're both fit. There's not been any talk that they're not. Um Hey, listen, there's, there's over just what a day left before the game. Anybody could, anybody could drop. Yeah, well, if you know, Schlupp should be back within a week or two. Um, Hodgson also said so. That's three coming back, so that means just that three more need to get injured. I think well, that's about that's about the okay, run of it. Is, balance we working, we're, we're working a one in one out policy, aren't we? So yeah, we're coming back. There's we need to knock three more out. We've only got a certain amount of treatment tables. That's what it is. Yeah. So. No one else can be injured until someone's actually got off it. And then it's, it's like getting a sunbed at a hotel. Yeah, it's like two o'clock in the morning. You've already had too much to drink and you're on the door of a nightclub and they're telling you it's one in, one out. And you, you're sort of weighing up if it's if it's worth it or not. And um, and then you see about eight girls just all get let in. And you're like, yeah. come on, mate. Right, we obviously have nothing else to talk about football. I remember those days, I think, vaguely. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, a short break <laughs> and then we'll be back with predictions. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio, preview podcast, crowdfunded by Palace fans, for Palace fans. Right, it's high horse time. Last week, I said the score will be 2-2 with Palace leading going in late into the game before um, the Masters of scoring a late goal, Bournemouth equalised to make it 2-2. So it's not that often I'll get it right this season. But um, it's heated up the race in the Homesdale Radio Prediction League, putting me joint second with Hambo, one point behind Tim. So all to play for with five games left. Heske, if you did say Luca would score, um, it was a 25-yard penalty this time, not 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 an actual Yeah, from my, from my angle in the stand, it was in the box. So I'm... <laughs> but yeah, I think it's easy money, isn't it, to say Luca's going to score at the moment? Yeah, well, um, any time, you're still probably getting decent odds on him. Um, he's scored 10 goals now this season, which obviously makes him the first uh, Crystal Palace midfielder to do that in the Premier League era. Um, and if he scores three more goals this season, he becomes the um, biggest goal-scoring season for any Serbian in English football. He'll take over um, Savo Milosevic, who scored 12 goals in the 94-95 season for Aston Villa. So I know we're all 80s kids, so we certainly all remember Savo Milosevic. Um, I think he uh, scored a goal against Palace a couple of seasons later as well, I think, seem to remember. But um, yeah, so he's obviously having a season that is in goal-scoring aspects faster passing anything we could ever have expected. Um, right, so Heskiff, you you love it when everything seems to be weighed in Palace's favour. So Brighton 
haven't won in nine away Premier League games. That excites you, I know. It does. And every single Homesdale Radio presenter has predicted a Palace win so far. I just feel like I'm surrounded by madness. <laughs> um, I always get worried. I'm a pessimist. Everyone knows that already now. But I get really worried when everybody thinks we're going to win. You know, they, they think we're just going to roll them over. I'd love it if we did. I'd love to share that confidence. But my pessimism, my, you know, perpetual worrying about everything in the world stops me from doing that. I just, it just makes me take a deep breath and shake my head. You can't see it, but that's what I'm doing. You're, you're the screaming lunatic on the street corner with a sandwich board saying the end is nigh, ringing the bell. Ringing my bell, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, Sam, you'll be pleased to know not not absolutely everyone thinks they're going to win. Only 74% of the people who voted in our poll said we were going to win, with 19% um, believing we'll be robbed. So well, I, I, I welcome my will be robbed brethren to the poll. <laughs> um, if I tell you to drink something and say it's not poisoned and that the you know the world is nigh, the end of the world is nigh, then just just go along with it. <laughs> just go along with it it will look like a red and blue slurpee or something that is going to be a slush puppy, slush puppy. <laughs> um right and uh, out of the fan prediction tristan said score draw um we haven't lost to a team outside the top six since september other than everton but our recent poor run will hold us back a bit god that's another thing that stacks in our favor oh, it's a guaranteed win isn't it you can't take it okay albert what's the score going to be Two one Palace. Oh, Christian Menteke winner. Oh wow, scenes. Is it late? Is it like the ninety third minute? It's. I mean, how late can a football go? Like, like Real Madrid, Juve yesterday. It took him. It took like around like seven minutes to take that penalty. I'm hoping it's something like that. So <laughs> one nil up. They'll, Glenn Murray will probably peg one back. He'll then like mash his knee up, and all the Brighton fans will get really confused and not know whether to cheer or not because it was like last time. <laughs> and then uh yeah christian benteke will silence silence the masses yes um heskiff what are you going for oh i'm intrigued i'm very intrigued i think i hate to say it i hate to say it i think we're gonna lose 2-1 <laughs> yes, I, I, genu- I genuinely i genuinely hate to say it because i don't want us to lose it's gonna, it's gonna kill me but i think just to make it my living nightmare glenn murray will definitely score and I think the winner's going to be scored by Lewis Dunk. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Because, just because I can't think of anything worse than that. Yeah. When, when, when you put your toilet paper on the wall, right, does, do you have the leaf hanging over or under? You have it hanging under, don't you? You just want the world to burn. I, I, this is not a question that I thought I'd be asked, I've got to be honest. Have um, you got to go and check? Yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right back. <laughs> He's actually gone to check. Right, brilliant. Um, my f- good friend Nick Houghton has just messaged me saying that we'll win 2-0. That's his prediction for this week. So um, what am I going for? Um, I've, just, I've just come back. I've got no toilet paper. <laughs> uh, well, you need to get Vanessa on the ball. Um, do, do they use toilet paper in Mexico? Is that one of those places where they like... Use poo bins and stuff like that. Be very careful, mate. You, you might see her on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> you are now a marked man. 
I was in Mexico for my honeymoon and they definitely use poo bins. I know that. You're not allowed to flush your toilet paper. Um, right. My prediction is four. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 3-1 Palace. Um, nice. I, I think, yeah, I just think we're going to do them. I think it's all nicely been bubbling up towards this result you know the there was a, the Huddersfield winner side there's been lots of good performances and we've not got the result um, we wanted and I think it's all just been coming up to this nice little let's do it when it really really matters when the points really matter when it's against the right team and stuff like that so 3-1 that's what I'm going for Zaha to get two and obviously Milivojevic will score just because it's Luka Milivojevic right um <laughs> We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with um, author of The Palace Addictions, book one and two. He wrote two of them, James Howland, because um, he has a slight dilemma this weekend. Homesdale Radio, preview podcast, crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Yes, we are now joined by James Howland, author of The Palace Addictions, one and two. Um, <laughs> you laughed at me when I booked my honeymoon and then they announced the fixtures and. Um, I was happening to be away on my honeymoon when Palace were playing Brighton away in the league. Uh, what's happened to you this weekend, mate? Um, so my so-called brother has very inconsiderately booked his wedding for Saturday at four o'clock. <laughs> four o'clock. So you can't even watch it? Nope. Or you can watch the first half and just be like furious already. <laughs> yeah, so cursing as he's going down the aisle, giving okay. hatred to Brighton. But you guys, um, he's not a Palace fan, is he? You guys were brought up in Reading, is that right? Uh, grew up in Berkshire, so I've got three brothers, two are Palace and one's a Spurs fan. And it's the Spurs fan who, after the fixtures were announced, announced his wedding. Mm, that is, that's awful. I'm not going to make any sort of joke about Harry Kane claiming goals. I think that's been done to death in, <laughs> in the last 24 hours. So, um what are your duties on Saturday when the game's going on? What are you going to be doing? <laughs> uh, well, I'm best man. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, doing a better job holding on to the rings than Hennessy does on crosses. Uh, <laughs> Just don't don't start shouting out you don't know what you're doing. Because <laughs> that could come across really badly. <laughs> yeah, or um, get into them. Come up or something like that. Ah, oh, sorry, Billy. I swore I'd been doing so well. I almost got through the show without swearing. Um, have you missed the? Well, since you've been going Palace games, have you missed any Brighton ones? Um, I have missed two. I missed the five nil Andy Johnson hat trick and the two nil away at the playoffs. And I've been really? to the rest. That's great form. So, so yeah, played played two, one two, scored seven, conceded none. Heskiff, there you go. There's another reason why we can't lose this weekend. I'm not having it. We're losing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been talking about all this that everything basically plays in our favour this weekend. What um what do you reckon, James? Do you reckon it's gonna be, you know, pushing back into our shadow or are they gonna rise up? I my head head says both teams won't wanna lose. Boring sort of one one. Uh my heart says 5-0, Zaha 5. Zaha <laughs> 5. Yeah, so um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how I'd feel about being at a wedding, being a best man at a wedding on a Brighton game. Um, do you, how do you think you're going to handle it? What 
are you going to have your phone on you? you? You know, like she could be walking up the aisle. You get a text message that, you know, Lewis Dunk's just put on one nil up. Um, what well, was it going to be like? The duty of playing the music as they leave the church. And so I think my phone's going to have to be plugged in ready for that which then should probably be on aeroplane mode of it rather than sort of text coming through over the speakers of the church. Oh, when, um, when, you're, when you're playing the music and it's supposed to be the music, but you accidentally let the stream come through and it's just like the commentary for the game. As they're leaving the church, it's going to be about full time. So with the right result, I could just play glad all over as a compromise. <laughs> so... I- do you forgive him like how do you how do you forgive him for this because I know it's it is the big one right and he knows what the fixtures are and I know he can't he can't do his life around you but you know you're doing him a favor being best man you've done a bunch of stuff for him do you forgive him uh I tell you at full time I still haven't forgiven my dad for making me miss that five nil he uh he didn't buy tickets in advance but on the days we went oh it's all ticket <laughs> yeah you forget about that those um in the 90s when the, in the early 2000s where you could just walk up to games pretty much anywhere around the country and still get a ticket on the day as long as it weren't a big one um, my brother's lucky in a way i uh famously missed my cousin's wedding to see us draw 1-1 with plymouth argyle in 2009 <laughs> so he, he's lucky i'm turning up to be honest alan lee alan lee header it was on to stern john who got injured and pretty much never played again till uh till watford yeah. I hope you really messed your brother up at the stag, though, as like re- sort of preemptive revenge. Um, yeah, I was actually on crutches and could barely walk um, <laughs> at the stag, do, which wasn't the best. It's meant to be uh, the other way maybe, around. Maybe He's meant to come back on the crutches. <laughs> That's again, that is very in keeping with Palace. Like, look, even our fans are all on crutches as well and can't even <laughs> bloody turn out for the big, the big occasions. <laughs> There's five at my five aside. There's five Palace fans, and uh, we were all injured right in the middle of Palace's major crisis. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. And the one, one last thing: um, is your brother's missus into football at all? Does she realise what's going on? Does she even give a care in the world? Uh, no, I don't think so, and I don't think I get much sympathy should I try and uh, explain my position to her. Uh, right. Well, mate, um, I'll be thinking about you um, when we win him 3-1. That's been my prediction. So when we're winning 3-1, um, I'll spare a little thought for you and I'll, I'll, I'll add an extra punch in the air for you. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll probably be thinking about you guys at the game in silence, wondering what's going on as they sort of say I do. But uh, mm-hmm. there we go. Um, you forget to hand the rings over and stuff like that. <laughs> Right. Well, anyway, look, uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, some things are, are a little bit more important. You know, you've got to do your family not business. Not, no, probably not this, but I'm, this, I'm, is, yeah, this isn't one of them. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out here, James. Um, but yeah, good um, good luck on Saturday. Um, to yeah, Palace. It just might I mean, be a really downbeat speech after the wedding, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to cry. But we lost, so stop this. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, in an ideal world for you, not not for anyone else. <laughs> but um, yeah, good luck to your brother and his wife. Um, commiserations to you, and um, mate, I'm, I'm sure I'll I'll see you in the terraces at some point soon. Yeah, cheers, mate. Take care. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace.
Right, okay, so that's it for this week. Thank you to Matt Woosnam for coming on to talk about the youth team and um, to James Howland there just before um, <laughs> to share his woes for this weekend. Poor guy. What a game to miss. Um, Albert, it's been Yo. a joy having you back, sir. Thank you for your inputs today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, and Heskiff, as always, um, <laughs> even if you did receive a phone call from the past during during the show. There's a, there's a lot to be said for old school phones, mate. You, you modern smartphone scum. <laughs> Says you with your iPhone, no doubt. Um, of course, thanks to Billiam in the background for producing, um, who's currently dealing with a stressed out girlfriend who seems to be doing terribly at Battlefield 1. So um, fair play for him for multitasking. <laughs> and love, love is a battlefield, would be my love. response to that. <laughs> it certainly is. Um Sunday night is the review show, as always. Uh, Chris this week is joined by new guy Mike, Nick Gussett and Patrick O'Connor. And of course, um, you the Love Sports radio show has been live tonight. So the podcast version of that will be available at some point across the next day. Um, we will be back next week for Watford preview. Um, Watford review show will be taking place in Albert's kitchen. So look out for that one in a couple of weeks. Exciting times. But um, until next week, up the palace. Oh, fucking hell, hang on. My phone's ringing. (laughs) Who's calling the 1920s? (laughs) (laughs) It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.